Justin? Yeah. Yo, yo, yo. We hey. are live. i got to come up with a better thing to say right in the beginning. Besides, we yeah. are live. I thought we had something. <laughs> well, I have an intro, but I, I, I feel like starting it off with something a little bit more, I don't know, cooler mm. than that would be would be warranted. We are in the business of cool, after all. Yeah, you know what would be really cool. You should you should compose a uh, a little oh, piece of music. You know, I actually so that's going to be on the docket, but I don't do any audio editing. I could do part it for of you. my. I know you could, but I haven't asked you to do any. I, oh, 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 I'm I trying see to think because my... then you'd have to do post production stuff. Yeah. Well, that's fine. Hey, man, just like play it on stereo. So true. <laughs> you know, like yeah. something. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just gonna get one of those little tape recorders. And yeah. Little tape playing. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. There's I, I, there's an app I think I, it's fucking get it together. I mean, you know, it's like every every twenty five. I think the, every twenty five episodes we do a level up where we try to uh, you know just make one aspect of the, the, the ongoing podcast a little bit more produced and or professional. Sure. So I think when we get to episode 50, this is episode 47. When we get to episode 50, it'll be, it'll warrant a level up. Okay. So, you know, that could be, it could maybe finding an app that does both the recording and also allows me to play like an intro an end yeah. cap or something? Let's, well, let's talk about it more. We'll, you, we can get into it more. Uh, maybe you can tell me how your uh, – we'll talk about, like, the, the your whole operation, how you actually record the stuff and yeah. and all that. Because it might just be – maybe you might need, like, a, a piece, like a mixer, so you can actually, you know, record onto one thing and then, you know, play music, you know, like a DJ yeah. almost, you know, like just do it all live. And then no, yeah. no post-production. They make hardware for that, but but I'm not interested in. It would have to, since I do it all on my phone. It would all have to be software, and it would all have to be iOS. Okay then. But they might make something. They, you know. I'm you know. just saying, if you if you if you're gonna use a tape recorder, that's not on your phone either. I know. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? If it's like I do. You know, even even like I think I don't know if it would work when while you're on the phone call, but I have that. Uh, and actually, I'd give that to you. I can give you my iRig Duo because I'm definitely going to upgrade to like either the Apic oh. here or one of the, one of the Universal Audio uh, iOS briefs that are just Believe coming it or out. not, I think I have an i. I think I. I don't know if I have the Duo, but I have an iRig of some sort. Okay. Anyway, we'll um, figure it out another time. Well, let me let me do the formal intro, which is um, this is the Getcha Some Productions podcast, episode forty-seven. Um. My name's Keith. My guest's name is Justin. Hello, Justin. Hi, everyone. Uh, we are a podcast. We are a podcast covering all things related to music production, from the first note to the last fan, and everything in between. We create music and inspire others to do the same. And uh, every business meeting is um, every every podcast is sort of like a business meeting, as we try to. Uh, build a media empire right before your very eyes and ears. 
in this case, just ears. There's no video for this particular show. Um, we always plug something, so I'll quickly just say if you want to buy – oh, actually, no, we're not going to plug anything because the, the, we're, we're plugging – this is book club. This is a book club episode. Mm. So um, the first official plug is that we're reading a book called Unlocking Creativity by Michael Beinhorn. If you want to buy the book and support the podcast, uh, I'll include an affiliate link um, for the book in the description. It's an Amazon affiliation, so uh, FYI. So if you want to support the podcast, you can buy the book through that link. Um, and then we always want to plug Justin's stuff as well. Um, I can plug all the you, – you want to plug anything special or do you want to just plug the, the usual stuff that I always – Oh, plug? yeah. I mean, you know, the stuff that I'm working on, you could always check out Blank Baby at Bandcamp. There's an album, there's an album on there called uh, – uh, what's the album called again? Is it 31 Brooklyn Summers or 30 Brooklyn Summers? Something, something like, like that. that. And uh, that's, that's just uh, something I did a while ago. It's really the last thing I, I officially released. And um and then I'm working on bringing back. I started a a beard oil company a long time ago. That's WorksNatural.com, and uh, I've just revamped that. And um, you know, you you definitely go check out the website. Go check out the Etsy shop. Um, and maybe if you're in the area of Williamsburg, Greenpoint, or Park Slope, uh, you may see it in stores very soon because I've been uh, shopping it around quite a bit. And lastly, um, everything's up there right now. I have another company that does more than beard oil. It does lots of apothecary products, uh, skin care, room sprays, essential oil blends, um, as well as candles, so a lot of uh, home goods. And um, that is called Dirty Dude Apothecary, and you can check that out at dirtydudeapothecary.com. And there's also an Etsy shop for that. So, uh, and exciting news, I've been rebranding with a extremely, extremely talented, uh, designer who's got such a good knack for branding. Um, maybe we'll talk about it another time because this is like a totally different creative process. Um, and I think there's a lot of parallels, um, that we can make between, you know, uh, musicians, uh, kind of forming or, uh, building themselves up as a brand, and I'm uh, building, you know, I'm trying to incorporate much more of myself into this brand uh, with the new design and branding. And when I say branding, I mean everything from, like, assets that you put up on social media, um, you know, uh, ideas for uh, email blasts, as well as, you know, the, the labels and the copy and all that stuff to the product site. That's cool. I'm definitely into talking about that stuff with you. Yeah. I love um, branding stuff. Yeah, because you actually had sent um, a link, and I didn't get through the whole thing. I think there were some other links that that, that article put you through, and it was like, this is what your, you know, it kind of like divided social media up into, like, do this sort of thing this per, this percent of the time, this sort of thing this percent of the time, you know? So uh -huh. de definitely that is um, – because otherwise, social media, you can easily, just like writing music or, or doing things like that, you can easily become very uninspired if you don't have um, some, like, loose guidelines to stick to, you know, just to, to keep you motivated, you know, like uh, doing things like I'm going to make sure that I write for 
an hour every day, even if it's for like 10 days straight, you know, like, and then take a break for five days and then like get back into it. You know what I mean? Like some sort of code, if you will. Yeah. Uh, who was it? Ariel Hyatt? Was it Cyber PR or was it something else you sent you? Uh, I don't know. You sent it to everyone in like, I'm pretty sure it was like Dan, me, Mike, uh, for sure on the list. I, I think I still have the link open if you wanted to check. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I'm definitely curious. And actually, whatever, like, you know, branding journey you're taking, mm-hmm. definitely down to talk about it on the podcast because uh, I always want to talk more and explore, like, branding ideas um, in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to back up real quick because, you know, we've been including every show you're on, I include links to Blank Baby, Dirty Dude, and Works Natural. Mm-hmm. When you say you sh- people should visit your Etsy store, it's it's cool. They, if they go straight to Dirty Dude, that's dirtytudeapothecary.com. If they yeah, go straight to I, that, that's the Etsy store, right? Or, or do you I, go to Etsy I mean, and search, or do you want to include another link? Uh, uh, if you tell me what it is, I'll put it in the description. To be honest, it's a hard question to ask because Etsy is just one of those things that I set up because everyone's like, oh, you've got to set up an Etsy shop. Oh. Me, I'm not a huge fan of their interface and user experience. I think that they're uh, it's a very saturated market. And yeah. to be honest, I'm sure there is a direct link, and I don't even know. Sometimes I go to search my own shop in it, and I'm like, oh, why doesn't it come up? Like, I can't even figure this thing out. <laughs> so really, if, if if anyone's really interested, just go to the website. That's the most direct. That's going to be the best experience. By the way, we burn. we still have some of your candles. We actually have some of your candles. If you remember, I bought like I bought like twenty candles from you last Christmas. Yeah, yeah. I think we still have like five left. Oh, awesome! And we still burn them. My favorite is the fur one. The, uh, the, um, yes, you silver know, fur. Silver fur. Yeah, that's a great one. You know, I mean, it reminds me of Christmas, I guess. You know, I don't know. Totally. Yeah, but, it is um, kind of Christmassy, but it's also like you know, it's just like woodsy, so kind of good yeah, for all of them. I'm into that, that type of scent. Yeah. And All right, you know, so I'll well, give you some updated ones because we're using coconut wax now and uh, it's a whole different ballgame, you know? So, anyway. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, I can't oh. find that link. I must have closed the I must have closed the link on my phone, but I know you sent it in a text or an email, so I'll have to dig through and find it again. Don't kill yourself. Uh, one of those days we're going to be doing a whole friggin' thing on branding. And well, maybe we'll get a book, or we'll have some branding experts. I, I don't know. You know, I'd love to, I'd love to read. The thing about branding, I think that's tough to read a book. Is that books uh, kind of like date themselves at some point? You know? Yeah, like that's true. Branding and social media, it changes so quick and so frequently. You know, if someone did write a book they'd be better off doing like a digital book that they could constantly amend, mm-hmm. you know? And then there's some articles, you know, tons of articles, but I mean, you know, like anything I'd love to read, I would love to read like a, like a biography type thing. Like I'd love to read a, a branding memoir of someone, you know, to really see if you could, uh, see if I can pull some stuff out of that. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I mean, just to go back to what we're, right now we're doing this music production book, but I mm-hmm. feel like the core of what we want to do is songwriting. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, after we're done with this, I think we should dig deep into songwriting. Hell, yeah. 
you know, before we do anything else, because it all, it's like all about, you know, it's all about content ultimately and the quality of the songs. So I feel like you got to start there and we probably yeah. should have started there, but you know, whatever, we started here. So let's oh, get through it. And I don't think we made a mistake. I think this book is, uh, I think this has got a lot of useful information and I, I don't think there's a chicken before the egg. Uh, Perhaps not. Uh, relationship here. This book is pretty foundational. Yeah, it's cool. So let's well, let's let's do on chapter four. So I want to just do real something real quick and just say that chapter two was called prep work, and that was all like stuff that you would. Uh, it was a chapter two was called prep work, and it's like resources for when you begin your relationship with the artist. Right, it's like a questionnaire type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, step, chapter three was preliminary pre-production, which was some heavy-duty, like, song writing, song arranging, editing, conceptualizing the process. So just to give people an intro into, like, what we've covered in prior podcasts. But chapter four, what we're covering today, is called pre-production. Um and pre-production is basically like the step of the process in the record, uh, music production process where you bring the rest of the band in. Uh, and I won't say any more because there's going to be more that we cover. Was there anything that you wanted to discuss off the top or you want me to just read? you gotta, you got to start it because our wires got a little crossed and I thought we were going over something yeah. else uh, yeah. that we discussed in the last podcast. And... You know, I've read this, but now at this point I've read it like a good, probably like a month and a half ago at least. Okay, let me just clarify for listeners that Justin and I made a deal that we're going to do something in the last podcast, and we both had a homework assignment. Justin did his homework assignment, and I didn't do my homework assignment. So here we are. But I think Chapter 4, we have to get through it because um, uh, Chapter 5 is a doozy. But I do think that we should go back and do the homework assignment, which when I say we, I mean me. <laughs> I think I should go back and do the homework assignment. Oh, yeah. You know what? I, I, don't mind having, I don't mind having a little extra time because although I, I love the song that I picked and I discovered a lot of good stuff, I yeah. mean, I can definitely dig deeper. You know, I didn't I didn't do like a lyric analysis. and I, You know, so well, we got That's cool. Got it. All right, so this is a relatively short chapter. So let me just read the first quote that I have underlined. We'll discuss it a little bit. We'll just go through it if we can. So the first thing I, I underlined was a quote that I thought was interesting. He, he, and it just, I think, just describes what pre-production is to him you know, in a foundational sort of way. It's, he writes, uh, put another way, pre-production significantly improves an artist's odds of having better than average results with the material he already knows is good. Uh, And he goes on, pre-production is the stage at which I start working with the full band on song structures, orchestration, and performance, and rehearse everything so that we can all get a rough idea of how the final product will sound. So it's like an intensive, so he's in his prep work, He's interviewed the artist and gotten a good feel for the artist he's about to work with. In preliminary pre-production, he's really just been working with the primary songwriters to get 
to to tighten up or to um, to get the raw material of the music as close to being ready to be recorded as possible, but it's still just like more abstract in that it's like songwriting and it's thinking about orchestration but not actually implementing it or thinking about arrangement but not actually implementing it. But it's it's very much about um, taking stock of what songs are going to be on the record, what material the artist has, and then uh, what and then the ultimate list of songs that are candidates for being on the record, are they ready yet? That's preliminary pre-production. Pre-production is, okay, we have this uh, like bunch of material. Um, let's get the band into the studio and work on it intensely, basically. Um, do you have anything to add to that? Or you want to say anything about that? No. <laughs> yeah. I, chapter as you as you recap. <laughs> well, so yeah, and I actually I I wasn't really hoping that you had anything to say about that because I only read it because it's the first page. It's it's a quote from the first page of chapter four, and it describes you know what he thinks pre-production is. <clears throat> yeah. So uh, another, here's a quote that I thought was interesting on the next page. He writes. When studying demo recordings and band performances, I listened for consistencies and inconsistencies in how the band plays together and how the band is using instrumentation and song structure to either augment or impair each song. And this is like one of the things about this guy. I feel like he writes these sentences and you can just read them but what, the instant you start thinking about them, there's, you realize there's a lot more there, like under the surface, I, I'm just trying to get at, I guess. So when he writes, I listen for consistencies and inconsistencies, I just want to say what I thought of. So it's like you hear a band, and the band has a bunch of really great songs where the piano player is playing like the main harmonic structure rhythm part, but the, and the guitar player is playing like mostly ornamental stuff. And that's how the band functions, right? That would be the consistency. But then all of a sudden they have a song where the guitar player is playing rhythm and the piano player is uh, playing like, more of a lead type of instrument, like ornamental or, or atmospheric or, or like, uh, yeah, I guess just ornamental type of material mm -hmm. that's not structural. And so to me, I find it interesting that he would even put it in the terms of consistencies and inconsistencies. Mm. Not that it could be a bad thing, but if the band's in there, if the band is functioning really well in their wheelhouse, so to speak, and then they have one song that's a departure and it's not as strong. I think it's helpful to know that it's helpful to be, to have this in your toolbox to recognize what could be a consistency or an inconsistency. And does that inconsistency add to the total picture or is that a detractor? You know, are they, do you get that vibe or? No, I, I got, I got a little bit. I had a, uh, 
a, a different thought when I read that part. When I think of consistencies and inconsistencies, I mean, you know, I think I think I. To me, that still is consistent. Whether it's the guitar player or the piano player, those are still elements. It's just changing the color a little bit, you know. So I don't really think of that as an inconsistency. I imagined when he was thinking about inconsistencies. Well, I mean, bands can easily be filled with ego. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think inconsistencies meaning like uh, stepping on each other's toes. You know, like the way you're describing, you're describing something like that's very communicated with the band, very functional. And I think inconsistencies would be anything that strays from it when it's like, well, you know, the band should, you know, most of the songs are centered around, let's say, uh, the vocalist. And then all of a sudden the guitar player is like wanking away or like the drummer is like overplaying or who the hell knows what the thing is. But that's kind of like what I was thinking because that's what I always notice whenever I go to see a band. Um, and, you know, I'm talking about, I'm not talking about like, you know, I'm just talking about like a local band or whatever. And you all of a sudden you see it's like, oh yeah, this is like, one of the other band members like, yo, this is my song. Like, I get to open up on this song. Like, I, I was kind of thinking in terms of that when I read that part. You know what? Either way. Yeah, it could go either way. And actually, this is why I find these conversations so interesting, because I feel like we, it always shocks me when, when um, we're talking about stuff and we come up with totally different interpretations Mm-hmm. of of a piece of, you know, of one of the selected texts that we want to highlight. And I would actually, I would actually, uh, I would, I'm going to like agree with you. And I'm also going to add, I'm also going to like play a little devil's advocate with mm-hmm. what you said okay. and just go and take it like in another direction, let's say, because <clears throat> actually I think when I, when what you said made me think of something different in that, Yes, there are egos in play in the band, and there always are. <clears throat> and I feel like part of maybe part of a, a healthy functioning of a band is not just having um, people subvert their ego when necessary, but also having each song or like making sure uh, there's enough of. Um, there's everyone's voice in there ever yeah like everyone's ego gets fed equally yeah. as well you know it's like so it's like the guitarist is not feeling the song let's say you know and that speaks to me because i've had so many bands where i was the lead guitar player and i wasn't feeling a song and it, of course it's my own fault like for not having developed a good enough part for it for instance but you know if you notice that the guitar player is not bringing it to that particular song, that inconsistency in that respect is going to ultimately harm the music because that song is not, the guitarist hasn't said the song, but it's also not feeding him back. Mm. Yeah. So that could be part of it. That could be an inconsistency and in just like the fact yeah. that it's, they're not, not everyone's bringing their all to each song, whatever that means. 
Yeah, or like, you know, it's like there's definitely a way to make space for all yeah. the voices. And, you know, a good band would be consistent in in clearing the runway or like supporting the uh, supporting the voice, you know? So there's so many ways to do it. So it's just like, I guess that could be, you know, this is all hearsay. Yeah, who knows what exactly he meant? It would have been really cool if he gave a specific example, but. Well, after we're done reading the book, let's invite him on the podcast to discuss it. Yeah, let's try. Well, that could be a part of the strategy. Figure okay. out how to get this guy on the show. All right. Um, do you want me to read one more? Yeah. This is one thing I love. Generally, this is also on page 44. Generally, I will initially work with the bass and drums in rehearsal before moving on to the full band. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, it's not anything groundbreaking, but if you have oh, a yeah. traditional rock and roll band, getting the bass and drums together is like a heartbeat, you know? Yeah, well, yeah. You know, when you mix, a lot of the times you bring the vocal up and then you work on the bass and the drums. You know, you lock those those in with the vocals. Up. And you really would be surprised that sometimes uh, the discord you hear, uh, not, you know, and this is subjective. It, it, it's, you know, it is missing elements. There is energy missing when you're doing that sometimes. But it's almost like if you think about it, like it would be cool to, eliminate as much of that discord and, and uh, connect the energy, you know, like, you, you know, you might say, oh, this sounds weird. And then it's weird because, oh, the guitar, like, you know, the, the, the distorted, like, fast guitar isn't there or something. Uh-huh. Um, but you'd be surprised that, like, well, one little tweak may still bring the same energy and also lock everything together a little bit better. So, you know. Worth looking at, you know. You do it when you, but you do it when you mix. So why wouldn't you do it when you arrange? Yeah, and and so I think that a lot of times people say when the band is playing, like when the arrangement is really tight, the amount of mixing you need to do goes down so much. That's also what I'm thinking. It's like this dude is a producer. His end game is to produce a record to have this final product, right? So, you know, the engine, it's it's true. Like, the better the players are, the better the arrangements are, the easier it is for the mixer. Or, like, the more room it gives for them to do, like, other creative stuff, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, in the over it. So, yeah, yeah and when, when you said Discord, you'd be surprised about the Discord you hear. He goes into part of this paragraph. He talks about how... Sometimes the bass and the drums, something the bass and the drums is doing is conflicting with the singer. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when I read stuff like this, it makes me want to go back and do, like, redo all the bass and drums and actually, like, and actually re-listen to a lot of, like, songs that I've written with just the bass, drums, and the vocals to see mm-hmm. if I can hear if that's happening. Because, you know, it's just interesting to think about the fact that there could have been something that 
was almost subliminal, you know, but that's fighting against the effectiveness of the song that you didn't realize. Yeah. You know, it, I guess this may be subjective. This may be like my own personal perspective, but I, I went to see a band and I know a handful of their songs very well. I went with my girlfriend. She re, she's a big fan of the, uh, of the band. I think they're pretty cool too. And I think their singer is. Um, are you are you not mentioning the band name? For I'm not going to mention the band name. Okay, fine. Is. Overall, know. overall, I think they're a good band, and this is really just my personal opinion. And fine, you know. But I like you know this band is made up of it's like a it's like a rock band, and and the the singer's great, and the singer has a like a southern and and could definitely. They have quite a range. Um, they're pretty unique, but also I think they're uh, the type of singer that could transcend boundaries. Like they could be a little country and they could be a little indie rock and they could be a little folk and they could be, you know, they can probably do some electronic too. So for me, I was like, and maybe I'm old and I, maybe it was too late and, you know, I, I don't really like standing around in venues past my bedtime and, you know, uh, when it's so crowded. And uh, I'm thinking, and it was like a club, you know, it was like a proper. Was this recent? Yeah, a couple of weeks ago. And um, the, the drum sound was very, you know, basic club kit drum sound. And the albums don't really sound like that. And, and it was really starting to irritate me because the singer is not the most, I mean, I'm a huge fan of the singer and the way they sing, but they're not necessarily the most powerful singer. And um, I just was thinking, and you know, the, you know, I guess you could blame it on where I was standing in the venue or whatever, but the, the bass and the drum I'm just like thinking, I'm like, wow, they're playing these parts. And to be honest, this vocals, there's a breathiness to the singer's voice that was not cutting through on the sound system that cuts through so beautifully on the records and so beautifully on like other live uh, videos I've seen. Um, and it just wasn't. And, and I'm thinking like, why does the singer even really use this band like this on every song i would love to hear because the singer was playing guitar and they were doing the same they were they were incorporating the same rhythm that the drummer and the bass were doing it's just they were the drummer and the bass player were adding nothing but volume that was taking away from the vocalist and taking away from the song and i think that these are important things to look at it's like are they doing counter rhythms? Like, are they doing anything to make the song interesting? Or can it be like, can we scrap it on this song or on this section? You know, because it is for the, it is for the, the production in the end. Can I ask you a generic question about the band? I won't make you name their name, but are they a new band, a young band or an old band? They have a lot of albums out, but they're, mm, know how old they are i would say they're like kind of like in their mid-30s i find that what you're but i do me, think i will yeah. tell you this they come out of like more of an indie rock background 
And I listen to a lot of, like, country and, like, Nashville-rooted music, not necessarily modern stuff. And But I know from reading interviews with this singer that the singer likes a lot of that stuff, too. But then when I listen, you know, uh, the band, the backup band has their own band. And, you know, I, I feel the same way. I'm not a fan of the, the band on their own. So the, when you say the backup band has their own band, like they actually, the backup band has a separate band, an additional yeah. band? Yeah. yeah, but they're the touring bands for this you know, this singer, I guess, too. Interesting. I think, um, you know, there's a lot of factors there that come into play that aren't just all songwriting, too. You know, could have just been the sound of the club. It could have been where you're standing. Because I feel like... I'm just saying, at one point, I was like, you know, this singer could have done a short set, Mm -hmm. just the singer and the guitar. And it would have brought, like, a lot of... uh, It would have brought some variance. And I thought it would have been... You know, because I've seen uh, another band, uh, and it was just like, man, this is like every band, whether it's a cover band, like, you know, the, the local bar cover band or whatever, just so cool to be like, all right, we're going to do a slew of songs in this vein with the band. And then all of a sudden, like, yo, let's break. And they switched, like, the bass player got on an upright bass. The guitar player switched from acoustic guitar to a mandolin. All of a sudden, a fiddle player came out, you know, and they all crowded around one microphone. So the sound completely changed, the vibe completely changed, you know, and it was like a great segue because then when they got in, they went to, like, their next, their newest material, which was, like, you know, rooted in the same stuff, but, like, a little bit of a more modern, like, departure. So, anyway... Well, I'm getting getting way off the subject here. No, actually, I'm glad you you told that story um, because it's interesting to think about. It's always good to, like, you know, just, like, bring bring a lot of the concepts to, like, an actual real situation. And it actually made me – it made reminded me of something. So there's this guy – I think his last name is Jackson. I can't remember his name now. Um, But he was a featured – he was a featured guest on the – CD Baby DIY Musicians podcast, and he was also a featured guest at their live event they do uh, every year, several years. I'm fairly certain his last name is Jackson, and he's a guy who he he specializes in working with bands mm-hmm. um, and artists in general, performing artists in general, on crafting their sets and 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 working on their um, their stage performance. Mm-hmm. And all these factors that you bring up in terms of just introducing variety into the set are things I believe he works on in addition to crafting the actual performance of each song to a live setting, um, which has many, like, just to give you the stupidest, littlest example that I actually have taken into account um, in my solo performances, which is all I've really done uh, in the past couple of years, is... When you play an intro to a song and you're just playing guitar, step away from the mic to play the intro and then step up to the mic when you're singing. But don't step backward because the audience can't tell. Well, it's not as much of, it's not enough of a separation from the spotlight, so to speak to just simply step backward and then step forward to the mic. 
he recommends stepping off to the side a foot or two to play the intro. Mm -hmm. And then step, and then when the vocals are about to come in, you step up to the mic and then you sing. And it's like this stupid little thing. It's like the littlest, stupidest thing that you think wouldn't be important at all. But it adds the minor, the most minor performance aspect to the show that gives people like it just gives something it's and this is I only bring this up because it's the stupidest most simple thing that I could take away from the several podcasts I heard with the guy he said all this shit and the only thing I took away was if you're going to do nothing else but this at least do this because it elements it, it adds the most simple but in, 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 in essence, an essential element of performance to the thing, to the whole, to the presentation. Because if you're just standing in front of the mic the whole time, there's literally no performance, you know? But if I, you step away, it just adds, like, just the tiniest bit of space to give someone element of performance at all. But it makes a huge difference also. I agree. That's a cool one. <laughs> you know, I, yeah, it's very cool. And and so, and so like that was one that was one item. But what you just talked about was like, oh yeah, I forgot. I really want to work with this guy one day, and like make the show a show because so many bands just get up and just do, you know. Mm -hmm. And I and that would be my instinct, and that would be something that I probably would just do because I'm not. It doesn't come natural to me, but I would like to do better performances. And, you know, this guy has helped, like, some of the most famous people in addition to many supporting acts that have vouched for, you know, it's like they get the gig based on that. Or they've had so much of such a greater, better audience response just from not changing the music. You know, in some cases, yes, changing the, the, um, changing the arrangement of the songs a little bit because live is different than a record. Mm-hmm. Um, but in some cases, just like even st really stupid, simple shit that, you know, people should just know is like the guitarist takes a solo, walk to the front of the stage or do something different, you know, mm -hmm. just like add a, the slightest bit of performance element to the whole thing. You know, you're not, people are not listening to the record. They are watching a show. I mean, just, just, just that idea sparks like I'm very inspired right now to watch a lot of live performances to see what all my favorite uh, acts usually do. And I'm a huge fan of also, I, I don't love uh, just going to a show and hearing the record verbatim. I'm too old for that. You know, like I am much more comfortable sitting in my living room. I have a stereo that I love and I would listen to the record, you know, and then that way I have the freedom to eat a snack or play along with the record, you know? So True. I like it when, you know, even if, even if they don't play the whole song, like they'll play like a part of the song or like, you know, who knows? There's, there's so many, uh, you know, so many ways to do it. Just changing the solos or maybe uh, another member of the band sings the song instead of the lead singer for some reason. I've seen that and I'm like, that's pretty cool, you know? Uh, yeah. I, 
what the thing that I immediately think of is actually like the big superstar performing acts and how many performance elements they introduce mm-hmm. because they have a huge budget to practice and you know and they have and it's and it's a business just doing all that stuff. But there's yeah. no reason why you know a bar band can't do it as well. Yeah, exactly. You know, to to a certain extent. You know, it's not like they're going to be doing like big dance numbers or anything, but you know, I mean, it's like no, but the little things, those little things that you just mentioned. I mean, I, I know I played with one guy, and I know he's had coaching like that. He played in a band that uh, was on a label for a bit, and uh, he did. He would always have uh, some suggestions like that. Drummers are always the best with that shit, that stuff. Sorry, I don't want to. That's interesting. Um. Because they're sitting back, and, you know, there's not much they can do. They're stuck sitting back there, but they see everything, so, you know. There's not much they can do but just gripe about everything that's going on in front of their fucking, on their high horse. They're looking down from their perch. They get to sit behind the damn drums so you can't even attack them. They're they're technically, they have the high ground. They're protected behind these structures, you know, so they just shoot their fucking mouths off. Drummers, man. They can't live, can't live, can't live without them. <laughs> All right, so guess what? We're out of time, man. Oh, you serious? Yeah. Is it, so what else? Was there anything in Chapter 4 that you really wanted to cover? No, you know why? Because Dan and I, well, unless you really want to cover, um, uh, no, you know, actually, I think that, that I have one main reason. First thing I, I don't have much, I really don't have much to add because he's, he's, he's talking about the band. And that's right. You never know what you're gonna get with the bands, you know. So yeah. I think it's a lot like um, being a, a daycare teacher or something, you know. Like, or like they think there's a lot of like therapist skills that you need because right. the bands, there's a lot of ego, and you know, some some musicians are way more uh, skillful and professional, are professional and. Uh, uh, applicable, like some, some, you know, sometimes they, sometimes they agree with everything too much, and sometimes, you know, you just never know what you're going to get. So, you know, we can talk about it uh, for five, five podcasts in a row if you wanted to, and we'd still have stuff to talk about. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think we need to cover it because I actually think that, you know, just covering a little bit of it, but then I think the tangents, technically speaking, are actually more valuable mm-hmm. content than being, um, you know, didactic about covering all the topics of the book. If people want to cover all the topics in the book, then buy the book. <laughs> you know, it's an awesome book. Sure. Uh, so, so yeah, so let's, I'm, I'm going to close it up first by saying, yes, if you want, if you think this is interesting and you want to buy the book, once again, go to the um, show notes and click the links. If you want to check out, um, Justin's stuff. You can go to. Uh, I am going to include in the um, description, like I always do, uh, links to his um, music uh, release uh, under the name Blank Baby, which is a Bandcamp site, uh, which is a, ban- a page on Bandcamp. Which, of course, the link will be included. But in addition to that, uh, Justin is an interesting dude with an actual apothecary. And he makes all sorts of crazy stuff in there. And some of the stuff, 
some of which I actually use as well. But um, so dirtydudeapothecary.com and worksnatural.com. And of course, I will include the link so you don't have to write that down. You just click in the description, click the link, and you go right to the site. Cool. Appreciate it. What else you got? Anything else? Uh, no, I think that's it for now. Cool. Okay. So until next time, thank you for okay. listening. Thanks for being on the show as always, my dude. Okay. Yeah, of course. Every time. Anytime. Word. Okay. Bye now. <laughs> Later. Later.